happens on December 7th. Humana, a more human way to healthcare. All right, that does it for us on News Nation now from here in New York. It's time for The Hill. Blake Berman, take it away, my friend. All right, Connell, thank you very much. Appreciate it. We begin tonight here on The Hill with two major developments happening on both ends of Pennsylvania Avenue. At the White House, President Biden addressing the nation just hours ago, confirming one of our worst fears. We now know that American citizens are among those being held by Hamas. I have no higher priority than the safety of Americans being held hostage around the world. The president also told Congress help will be needed in the days ahead to aid Israel in its war against Hamas. And right now, you are looking live at Capitol Hill. House Republicans huddling behind closed doors at this very moment, trying to figure out who might be the next Speaker of the House. We are live from the halls of Congress, live from the Middle East. The Hill on News Nation starts now. Hello, and thanks for being with us here on The Hill once again. I'm Blake Berman, joined today by Scott Bolden, former D.C. Democratic Party chairman and a legal analyst. Morgan Ortegas, of course, the former State Department spokesperson for the Trump administration. Ford O'Connell is a former Trump White House and 2020 campaign surrogate. And Johanna Mosca, former Obama administration official and News Nation contributor. It is midnight in Jerusalem at this moment, 5 o'clock here in Washington. And at this hour, we now know that at least 1,000 Israelis and 14 Americans have been killed as a result of Hamas's attack on Israel. The White House says at least 20 Americans are missing or unaccounted for still. And as you just heard from the commander-in-chief, Americans are believed to be among the hostages being held by Hamas. President Biden saying this afternoon he expects congressional action in the coming days. When Congress returns, we're going to ask them to take urgent action to fund the national security requirements of our critical partners. This is not about party or politics. This is about the security of our world, the security of the United States of America. Hello to you all. Thank you for being here. Obviously, still trying to put the puzzle pieces together on this and then sort everything out here, Morgan. I found it interesting today that President Biden said when he spoke to the uh, Israeli Prime Minister uh, Benjamin Netanyahu that if this happened in the U.S., he said we would act swift decisive and overwhelming, essentially giving Netanyahu the green light, right? Uh, not that Netanyahu needed it from right. us, but yes, right. he did. And I appreciated um, the president's comments about it not being about party and not being about politics, because it doesn't matter, you know, for the 11 Americans, uh, at least, that were killed and the unknown number of hostages, it doesn't matter what political party you are. It only mattered that uh, that you were in the state of Israel. I mean, we know that the Italians also have people, uh, uh, hostages. Uh, we know that they killed at least 40 uh, Arabs, right? So right. while they did go after Jews, I think it's also important to remember they were just killing indiscriminately. This wasn't on behalf of the Palestinian people. So um, I also would say, and, and just you know, to let our audience know, in the coming days, we probably won't hear a lot about the hostages. The president referenced it. That's because uh, the people uh, who do this for a living right. are working very diligently behind the scenes. I'm sure, um, again, the people who do these type of extractions are working with the Israeli <laughs> military. So I wouldn't be surprised if we don't hear a lot out of the administration and just you know pray that the people that know best can, can get them out. Um, but 
I think, uh, you know, listen, I wanted to hear the president say more about Iran today because I do think that that's the head of the snake. That's the cause of all of this. But at the end of the day, uh, as a Jewish American, I appreciated his unequivocal support for our strongest ally and strongest friend. Did he say enough, Johanna? Well, he did. And he also said that we're stronger and more secure when we are acting according to the rule of law. And that's the difference, right, with a terrorist organization that's acting indiscriminately and us and Israel who are going to act according to the law. And that's actually very important that we do respect that there are human beings, innocent Palestinians, who are also going to be affected by this terror. I, I got a real problem with the president's speech today. It, what part? The part is that he really didn't mention Iran. Okay, let's remember, Hamas does not fire a BB without Iran's okay. And frankly, his appeasement over his administration is why we're in this situation where Hamas feels emboldened to go into Israel and kill Jews indiscriminately. I also did not hear to a point that we, we Morgan, you did brought up, how, what is your plan to bring Americans home? That's what Americans care about. Yes, um, the Republican Party overwhelmingly supports it. But Morgan's saying you can't really talk about that That's plan right. publicly. And, but, and you can. but you can tell the American people, you can give them something and say, hey, we're doing everything I can. We have an update that does not violate well, any When plan. you want yeah. Iran's cooperation to go to Hamas and tell them to stop this, now you cannot go hard at Iran. They're still in the back, behind the scenes, negotiating this $6 billion. Everything is on the table. They have to keep it on the table. They can't go out there and show all of their cards. But there is to, there's to, I'm going to let Scott speak, but just <laughs> there, there is two groups of people uh, that we're referring to. One is the hostages, which is an unknown yes. number of Americans. The second is the probably, this again, a rough estimate. We talked about this yesterday on the show, Blake. 200,000 Americans yep. who live or are visiting. We saw some church groups you know, earlier today saying that they couldn't get out. So, just to be clear, we can be very vocal about 200,000 Americans that may be stuck there. The hostages that will probably need to be behind the scenes. Yeah, but you know, my Republicans' friends who want to connect Iran to this, Iran is certainly a problem, but I think the president is hesitant to bring up Iran until they have the data to support that. And that's going to take some... Jake Sullivan was actually very strong on this. Jake Jake Sullivan at the podium was very strong about this. He said they are complicit, they have been funding this for years, they are responsible for all of what has happened because of their complicity. That is separate from the president of the United States going up there and saying we're going to start a war with Iran right. when we don't have any proof that it was Iran. Right. Oh, wait a minute, wait a minute. Nobody, well, said, nobody, yesterday, said, nobody said anything about a war. The problem is you have to put pressure on Iran, and President Biden has not done a good job on that front. That's why Hamas feels emboldened. Well, let me just say this. There's another part to this. We've got to be able to get in and get those hostages out. I don't, Israel wants to reduce Gaza to rubble. Got it. But I think we ought to be smart and surgical and do both at the same time. Because a lot of American lives are there. A lot of other international citizens are there as well. And then, of course, Jews and Palestinians are there. And yeah. if you go in and reduce it to rubble, then that's going to yeah. be a problem, a too. Little, are you really winning? A little bit of context, though. Okay. Hamas does use human shields. They, yes. have, they are yes. known right. to do I this. Gotcha. So you will, see, uh, you will see them use human shields. You will see them put, mm-hmm. quote-unquote, civilian deaths up there that were actually militant deaths. So be mm-hmm. very leery of the propaganda coming out of Hamas. They are licking their chops to use these hostages as human shields. They're beheading them. Uh, they are threatening them. This is this makes ISIS look like a cakewalk. I got you. Savages. We, but we got to go. We, we got to be smart about it. That's all. Let's head out uh, now to Tel Aviv, where News Nation's uh, national correspondent, Robert Sherman, on the ground. Uh, Robert, I'm, I'm sure you've been listening in to some of this. But as you stand there in Israel tonight, uh, what's the latest as you uh, see it and, and talk to folks there? 
Hey there, Blake, and it really feels as though we're starting to see the landscape take shape here. On the one hand, you look at the south, the Gaza border, you see the staging of military apparatus, tanks, troops moving down there. Hundreds of thousands of reservists have been called up more than ever before in Israel's history. So it looks as though there's going to be some kind of big operation in Gaza. But then you look elsewhere in the country, to the northern border. Well, 15 missiles fired from Lebanon earlier today, and the Israeli Air Force had to respond there. Now we're just getting reports coming from the IDF that there were missiles fired from Syria as well. This is the big concern and the root of so much anxiety for Israelis on the ground here is that they know that there's a likelihood that something big is going to happen in Gaza. But in the coming days, are they going to have to fight a multi-front war? Are they going to have to deal with fire coming in from the north or from the east or from other actors around here? It's nightfall here in Israel, and a lot of Israelis are going to bed tonight not knowing what tomorrow will be bringing here, Blake. Yeah, I can only imagine. And Robert, real quick, Americans who are trying to leave Israel, have you spoken to any of them? And, and what's the feeling there? Yeah, that's something that we need to keep on top of because we're meeting a lot of them here today. People from Florida, from Chicago, who've been trying to get home for days. All these flights in and out of Tel Aviv are getting canceled right now. And there's no sign that a lot of these people who are meeting are going to have any chance of getting out soon. They've also been reading the news cycle. They also know that they need to get out sooner rather than later in case the situation really deteriorates here in the region. So they don't know what they're going to do. Floating the idea of going out through Jordan, trying to hold out to get a flight out of Tel Aviv. But we're starting to hear that story pop up again and again here, Blake. Robert Sherman live for us once again in Tel Aviv. Robert, stay safe. Thank you. Well, as you know, last month, the Biden administration approved the transfer of some $6 billion in frozen Iranian money from South Korea to Qatar as part of a deal to free five Americans imprisoned in Iran. Now, in the aftermath of Hamas's surprise attack on Israel, that move is facing new scrutiny as Iran is a longtime supporter of Hamas. A group of Senate Republicans is now calling on President Biden to refreeze those Iranian assets, $6 billion worth, writing, quote, to stand by and allow Iran access to these funds as Hamas infiltrates Israel and murders, rapes, and mutilates countless Israelis is unconscionable. Uh, the idea of refreezing this money, yeah. Johanna, is this Jake a smart Sullivan, idea? Yes, and Jake, but, well, so, yes, <laughs> okay. but Jake, Jake Sullivan, Sullivan is at the podium and he is not going to say that they're going to refreeze that money because okay. it's Re leverage and it's negotiation. Hold, hold that thought, Jake Sullivan, the president's national security advisor at the White House briefing uh, earlier today. Let me just reiterate what I said, because it's unequivocal. Not a dollar of that money has been spent, and I will leave it at that. All right, so he says not a dollar has been That's spent, right. yeah. but that doesn't preclude dollars from being spent in the future, which is why you they're have Republicans entirely, saying, let's freeze. They're entirely under our control still. Right. They are entirely, and the problem is right now, if you take that money off the table, then you've got your one in with Iran to call Hamas off the table. So they can't take that off the I, table I totally yet. disagree with you. You have to freeze that money. So you what's have the leverage? What's the leverage you have? What's the leverage? You what's have? leverage? You're going to increase the oil. Let me tell you something. Since uh, Biden has been president, mm -hmm. Iran has made $40 billion more a year on oil sanctions. You need to enforce the oil 
oil sanctions much stricter than Joe Biden's been doing because all he's been doing is enriching Iran, and that is why Iran is emboldened. It's why we also hear about Hezbollah. It's why all the terrorist groups are there. Remember, they're the number one state sponsor of terror, and Joe Biden is giving them money to run terrorism all over the world. They're not giving them money. This money is not our money. That's different what I'm saying. <laughs> yes. Uh, you got to freeze that to send a message. I'm just saying they're making money off of oil. And oil is it remains a critical issue that the Biden administration is trying to address energy security in a way in which we're moving the ball forward on clean technology. We're getting everything liquefied natural gas, getting everything on the table here and not being so reliant on these terrible state actors that control oil. But but the U.S. oil policy under Biden has also contributed to this that has also enriched Tehran. You need to be drilling at home, driving down the price. The lower the price oil is, the less money Iran we has on drilling at home. But I tell you what, if Iran comes asking for some of that six billion, I'm pretty sure the answer is going to be no right now. Well, the money's well, not going. That anywhere. is only the beginning. Okay, you have well, then, to go further. You so can do you, let, let maybe, ask, maybe not. But. Let me ask the former State Department spokesperson real quick. <laughs> yeah, but, the, the prospects. I'm enjoying. Fire spicy today. The prospects and the process of refreezing money like is this even a feasible idea yeah absolutely and i think um i think that's why the national security advisor um sort of you know hedged it gave himself some optionality as it would relate to the six billion uh listen i was very much opposed uh to giving around this six billion dollars because it was a ransom payment and i think that that puts a very high price on the head of every american um and i think when you incentivize that behavior it's not good for other americans we've seen that with russia for example um, what Ford was talking about was, uh, as it relates to the max economic pressure campaign that we pursued in the Trump administration, we did put heavy sanctions on Iran. Uh, those sanctions are U.S. law, and those sanctions actually remain on the books. The problem is is that they haven't been enforced um, over the past three years, and so that's why uh, Iran has been able to get such um, uh, magnificent oil revenues, because the sanctions weren't enforced. Why does all of that matter? Listen, when you don't enforce sanctions in one theater, it makes it very hard to enforce sanctions in another theater. It's one of the reasons why today the Russian ruble is trading higher than it was before the war. And it's one of the reasons today that the Russian economy has basically faced no repercussions from our sanctions. All right. Well, there is a post on X from the former Republican Congressman Peter Meyer. Caught my eye last night. I was scrolling. I saw it. I said, hmm. Here's how it reads <laughs> in part. Quote, the threat of Hezbollah attacks within the U.S. is very real. In recent years, Hezbollah operatives have been caught casing potential targets in the U.S. as a form of lateral escalation if... The U.S. goes to war with Iran or Hezbollah in Lebanon. Joining us now is the, uh, the author, the tweeter of that post, however you want to put it, uh, <laughs> former Congressman Peter Meyer, State of Michigan, joins us live. Uh, nice to talk to you, Peter. Um, we, we saw your, your post there. What, what do you mean by it? Well, uh, Speaker McCarthy mentioned this in his briefing yesterday, um, but the fact that just because we are seeing events unfold in Israel right now, you know, while Hamas may not necessarily have the capacity to extend their conflict to the homeland, Hezbollah certainly does. Uh, I think, as, as Morgan very well knows, a lot of the former Trump administration officials involved in uh, the national security state during the time that Qasem Soleimani was killed, they are facing very heavy potential for that retaliation, you know, the eye for an eye that the Iranians want to have against us killing their IRGC commander. And then you also have a demonstrated capacity of Hezbollah to conduct surveillance in the United States as a way of gaining leverage and optionality in the event of a war between the U.S. and Iran. 
So, P- Peter, hold that thought for a second. I'm going to come back to you here in a second. But, Morgan, you, you reposted this, which is how I saw it, and you brought up the point that he just did. Yeah, I mean, there are active assassination plots um, for former, uh, not just Trump administration officials, also General Milley uh, is also targeted. Um, and he was, until just a few weeks ago, of course, the chairman. Um, so this was uh, Biden and Trump officials um, that unfortunately have to receive uh, diplomatic security or secret service. And so uh, it should not surprise anybody. Iran was just Im- implicitly uh, involved in killing 11 Americans through Hamas. This is also what, this is Iran's playbook, right? This is what they do. Uh, they fund Hezbollah and Lebanon. Um, they fund the Houthis in Yemen. This is what they do around the region. And, and they actually have been quite active in Latin America, Hezbollah has been, uh, in fundraising and having cells there. We also have 1.8 million Godaways that have entered the United States. We know that we have, from January to September this year, it was like 150 or 160 uh, people in the terror watch list that were arrested. I always like to say those are the stupid terrorists because they're the ones that got caught. But we have no clue what's in that mix. Of 1.8 million. Right, Peter, uh, back to back to your post. How vulnerable are we as you see it? Again, I don't think we would see anything on the scale um, that we saw in Israel, but things that are more in line, you know, Morgan mentioned Latin America, that are more in line with the car bombings or the individual attacks that we saw you know, at the Israeli embassy in Buenos Aires, the Israeli um, cultural center in Buenos Aires. Both of those were attacks in retaliation, I believe, for the um, I forget which uh, Hezbollah official was killed uh, by the Israelis in the late 90s. You know, but they're sorry, the late 80s. But they have a long memory and they look to find those soft targets. They don't need to be in the geographic region. If anything, the ability for them to project fear that they can strike anywhere is one of the tools in their toolkit. I got to run. Uh, but before I do, let me ask you, if you don't mind, you're running for U.S. Senate. <laughs> I have nothing to announce today, but I'm definitely committed to making sure that we still have leaders who understand uh, the real threats that we're facing out there. Nothing to announce today. When might you announce by? Uh, I I think we have to run. Right, Blake? Uh, (laughs) (laughs) We'll leave it there. Good to see you. Come on back when and if and when, I guess it might happen. Uh, Peter, thank you very much. Former Congressman Peter Meyer. Uh, appreciate the time, sir. Well, Johanna? Yeah, no, I think that this is why it's very important that Biden did address that there needs to be a coordinated response with our our police officer, with our law enforcement, with everyone on this. And this, you know, talking about the border and not doing anything, look, we all understand that this is a porous border, but we also have seen that offense doesn't stop, you know, terrorists from getting across to rape and pillage in Israel. So the one thing I will say is I keep thinking about Vivek Ramaswamy's uh, proposal that he's going to end the FBI, but he's going to end it as we are right now when we are all vulnerable. I think some of those proposals seem as laughable as they actually are. But let me say this, that Biden's as weak on Iran as he is at the border. Why then, given the situation at the border, given how porous we are, the president isn't doing more at the border because he has the exact same laws in place or the ability to use the exact same laws is President Trump. He could bring this down significantly. He could f- secure the border, and he chooses not to. You mean remain in Mexico? Or what do you mean? Then Mexico? we'd have a bunch you of you've, the, ter- you've deported. No, that doesn't solve the problem. He is not detained, deported, he's putting more troops down there. He's putting more money down there. They came under Trump. They came under Trump, and they're coming under Biden. They're going to come. Invest in their countries. Oh my goodness! No, they did not. He held them in Mexico. That's the only reason. You want to know what happens when you stay in the asylum system? 
system and you got to stay in Mexico, you, then we find out who's really asking for asylum. Doesn't solve the problem. Look, we don't, none of us, want, terrorists, none of us want terrorists in the United States of America. Exactly. We all understand that this is critical. A fence is not going to stop them. We need comprehensive wait, 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 reform. No, we do not need comprehensive reform. Yes, that we is do. the double lie. President <laughs> Trump brought it down to a 45-year load. Obama, Trump, and Biden all have the Actually, same laws. Actually, when I looked the at the, the Biden comprehension, Obama's numbers were similar to Trump's. There's something going on in Congress right now as we sit here in Washington, which we're going to get to on the other side of the break. The war, of course, between Israel and Hamas escalating. We keep our eye on that. President Biden has vowed to continue support, of course, for Israel. But the House doesn't have a leader right now to take up this issue, what we've just been talking about, and many, many more. So what is going on in the holes of the Capitol right now? We will take you live as Republicans are trying to figure out what is next when the Hill returns. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. All right, we're going to take you to the halls of the Capitol here momentarily, but Kevin McCarthy, former House Speaker, uh, talking live. Let's listen. We need to make sure Hamas is destroyed. We need to make sure the, the resources that go to terrorists from Iran is stopped. The sanctions are already there. I laid out a five-point plan yesterday. The president right now should be very clear to the rest of the world that the American hostages have to come home now, that we will not accept anything that goes against these hostages and we will have vengeance if they do one thing to them the other thing we need to resupply israel with the ammunition they need we need to impose the sanctions that are already there when president biden took office all right that was kevin mccarthy of course talking about the ongoing situation uh in israel he is there in the halls of the congress uh, in the halls of the capitol because Republicans are getting together trying to figure out exactly what comes next here after McCarthy lost his job last week. And, of course, there is a whole new backdrop now to the speaker's race uh, and, and who might be the next speaker of the House. Michael Schnell is live uh, up on Capitol Hill where that meeting is taking place. I guess Kevin McCarthy's probably talking live there over your shoulder. Um, thank you for joining us. What's the latest? What are you hearing? Hey, look, Blake, as you mentioned, Kevin McCarthy speaking right behind me and then behind him in a room back there is where House Republicans are currently huddling for their candidate forum. Republicans in right now in a few minutes are going to be hearing from the two declared candidates, House Majority Leader Steve Scalise and House Judiciary Chairman Jim Jordan. The intention is that after uh, today there'll be speeches from Jordan and Scalise, a Q&A session afterwards where lawmakers can speak to the two candidates. And the intention is to vote on a nominee for speaker tomorrow behind closed doors in conference. But I'll tell you, Blake, both candidates right now do not have a clear path to the nomination. There is not a clear front runner. Both have picked up significant support. So today's candidate forum will be significant to have some of those undecideds here directly from the candidates. Michael, you could hear programming. So you could hear Kevin McCarthy there, right, when, when we dipped in? Yes. 
Yeah, I, I tell me if I'm wrong, but that was as as fiery um, of a Kevin McCarthy that I that I think I've ever seen. It's certainly up there as he was talking about uh, Israel and what he believes the president needs to do. Um, what what did you make there of of what Kevin McCarthy was saying? I think it goes to show how the dynamic up on the hill has totally changed with this one. Yeah, look, that Kevin McCarthy that's right behind me right now speaking to reporters is similar to the Kevin McCarthy that we heard from yesterday in more than 30 minutes of a press conference where McCarthy, who has a very pro-Israel background up here on Capitol Hill, talking about that situation in Israel, the unprecedented attack by Hamas on Israel. And look, Kevin McCarthy, he's traveled to Israel earlier this year. He addressed the Knesset. He he invited Israeli president to the Capitol. This is a significant moment for him because it obviously comes right after after he was ousted from the speakership. But yesterday during that press conference, he left the door open to a potential comeback bid, essentially saying that he would listen to the will of the conference and and, uh, asked about if he's the right person for the job in this moment, if he would take the nomination, again, deferring to his conference, really clearly leaving the door open there. Of course, Republicans are right now huddling behind closed doors. But absolutely, this is a moment where Kevin McCarthy is, A, leaning into those pro-Israel credentials, at the same time leaving the door open to his speakership. So it's a pretty significant moment right now. Michael Schnell, live for us uh, in the halls of the the Capitol. As you can see, Kevin McCarthy uh, over her shoulder. Michael, thank you. Um, I'll I'll throw it throw it to anyone here. That was that was a a different Kevin McCarthy that we heard just moments ago. I I think the one thing we may agree on is Kevin McCarthy doesn't need to throw his hat back in this ring. He's already had the job. And it's like, you know, him trying to get recruited again, just it looks so cringe. I I agree. He is trying to get recruited. (laughs) You think think that was like a campaign speech? Absolutely it was. Everyone doesn't know which way to go. Let me say what the problem was here. The problem was not that Kevin McCarthy got sacked. The problem was the Republicans sacked Kevin McCarthy without a plan. And when it comes to funding in Israel, essentially you can have the acting Speaker McHenry do what you need to do. But you have to understand there are much bigger problems within the Republican conference. They need to find a new Speaker, get unified behind it. I'm not worried about 2024, how this plays out. Because if you unify behind a Speaker, guess what's going to wind up happening? Republicans are going to basically march on in 24. And here's why. Gallup. You look at how Americans feel about the economy here at home. Republicans are up by 14% over Democrats on the economy. That is the widest spread since 1991. So unify behind a speaker, whoever that speaker may be, move forward with the plan, and you're going to do very well in 2020. That's this, not this, votes, this, though. This is one instance where I, I'm not going to agree with the Republican on the panel. <laughs> <laughs> I think it was stupid how we ousted Kevin. Um, and if you, are a, uh, if you are a suburban woman or an independent voter in the swing district, why in the world would you give Republicans the chance to leave the House again? We can recover from it. Incredibly stupid move from some of the most unserious people in our conference. Nobody has the votes. Yeah, I mean, we'll see how all this goes. And there is certainly a new backdrop here in Washington. All right, coming up. Some Democrats are facing backlash over their response to the war, calling for the U.S. to stop funding Israel. We'll ask one Democratic congressman what's going on with his party when The Hill on News Nation returns. All right, welcome back to The Hill here on News Nation. As the war between Israel and Hamas escalates, there's now a cyber front that is also being fought. Pro-Hamas hackers are targeting critical digital sources of information. For example, the Jerusalem Post has been knocked offline several times since Saturday. 
Joining us now is the editor-in-chief of the Jerusalem Post, Avi Meyer. Avi, thank you for being here on the Hill. I'm sure it has been an incredibly tough uh, few days uh, where you stand this evening uh, in Israel. This idea of, of cyber war and the cyber threats, we've seen it with your paper, how, or with your publication. How big of a threat is this as you see it going forward? Look, as an Israeli publication and perhaps the most visible Israeli publication in the world, we're certainly not new to cyber attacks. We are attacked very often, sometimes by state actors. Um, And this, of course, was no exception. Uh, Right from the very beginning, uh, when this campaign was started on Saturday morning, we first started seeing the cyber attacks. We actually survived them that first day. But for the past few days, they have managed to knock us offline quite a few times. We clearly do not want the truth about this part of the world Uh, getting to others around the globe. We won't, of course, let that deter us. We're still active on all social media channels, and we're doing whatever we can to get our website back online. Of course, when we talk about cyber, it's it's normally Iran, North Korea, Russia. Um, You think it's Iran that's behind this? Well, I won't comment on uh, who we think is behind it. We do have some indications of who it is, but we don't want to uh, empower them or give them any undue publicity. Yeah. Got it. Um, As you stand there in Israel tonight, I'm wondering um, how some of President Biden's comments have been received. I want to play uh, for you the president uh, earlier today and get your thoughts on the other side. Any country, any organization, anyone thinking of taking advantage of this situation. I have one word. Don't. Don't. Avi, how were um, how were the president's uh, comments received in Israel this evening? Extremely well. Um, I can tell you that the president's uh, remarks were circulated on social media. Quite a few of my friends posted clips uh, of his speech on Twitter and on Instagram. Um, I think people were extremely grateful to hear such staunch support for Israel in its time of need. Uh, The fact that the president said that Hamas is now like ISIS, which I think is a sentiment shared by many Israelis who witnessed the horrors uh, of Saturday in which Hamas certainly did engage in ISIS-like tactics, I think were very much appreciated. Um, And certainly his commitment to Israel's security, which has remained steadfast throughout his career and was reiterated tonight, is something that many Israelis appreciate very much. Avi Meyer, editor-in-chief of the Jerusalem Post. Best of luck to you, sir. Um, Thinking of you and your team and appreciate your time. Thanks, Avi. Thank you. Uh, it's interesting that he said there that the comments were well-received in Israel from yeah. President Biden earlier today. Well, and that is important. This this cyber uh, security, this vulnerability we have in America. Sure. And that was one thing that I do think the administration is going to have to address head-on. I mean, we knew during the Obama administration, I'm sure you were monitoring during the Trump administration, the critical infrastructure, including our power grids, are extraordinarily vulnerable, and we need to beef them up when we see signs like this in Israel right now. And our water sources also, reservoirs. I I drive by in D.C., the reservoir, and it's got a fence up and what have you, but it's just large body of water up near MacArthur Boulevard. And I often wonder when I'm driving home late at night, uh, terrorists could certainly do something to infiltrate that, germ warfare and what have you. Yeah, there's always the word. But companies are being hacked right now as well. Maybe not in for a terrorist system, but but those who are holding them up, MGM, for $100 million and didn't pay them, 
all of us, private sector and public sector, have got to step up and, and make yeah. our, our systems more secure. And don't forget, the Iranians have been accused by both administrations of, of trying to play politics and trying to uh, spread disinformation in our elections. Um, they can actually be quite good at it, not as sophisticated necessarily as, as the Russians or yeah. Chinese, but um, prolific. And so we, we should expect to see more of am, am I right there when I say it's basically Iran, North Korea, um, Russia China, and China. China. I left China. out China. Yeah, yeah. Venezuela. Yeah, it's, China. Yeah. yeah, it's the new action. Yeah. Is, is, is that basically yeah, the, the four? Yeah, but the you know what? They're the smarter. They, they're they're not unsophisticated about their alliance. They're actually building um, supply chains within that alliance. They're making sure that each other are covered in terms right. of munitions and other things. And so we are really starting to see a bipolar world in the sense that you will hopefully see uh, democracies uh, line up together. We need to be better about that. Um, but certainly, yes, these autocratic regi- autocratic regimes are lining up against the democracies. All right, well, coming up, President Biden's classified documents investigation. Do you remember that? It's been going on for months now. So why did he interview with the special counsel for the past two days? He's the commander in chief. There is a war going on in Israel. Americans are dead. Americans are hostage. And he's talking documents for two days. Why? The White House asked about it. And we'll get to it on the other side of the break. Welcome back. Uh, so the special counsel interviewed President Joe Biden about classified documents previously found at his home and his D.C. office. The interviews occur- occurred at the White House Sunday and Monday on the second and third days of the war in Israel. Among the questions that raises, was that the best use of the commander in chief's time? Here was the White House press secretary, Karine Jean-Pierre, this afternoon. The president is able to do multiple things at once, right? As president, he has to do multiple things at once. And that's what you saw him do this weekend. So she's basically saying there uh, the president can walk and and chew gum at the same time. When when this came out yesterday, a lot of the (gasps) was (gasps) he got interviewed. And I thought, why on earth are they interviewing the commander in chief on day two and day three of the war? And why didn't he tell them, let's do this next week in two weeks? I I don't understand. Well, you know, there's a lot of planning that goes into interviewing any witness or target or subject of an investigation, especially the president, if you will. We don't know how much preparation, the scheduling issues, and how soon uh, this investigation is either going to continue to move forward or or it's going to shut down. He may be the last witness in the process. He he might want to just get it out of the way. I, I, I hear you, but this is a war with Americans dead and American hostages. And that's why I say, like, why not punt this to next week? Uh, that's certainly a possibility. But again, the ins and outs and the details of this, we're not privy to. And again, uh, the press secretary is correct. He can walk and chew gum. He can segment his thoughts. And I'll be honest with you, the document investigation in and of itself, because he's being interviewed and wasn't, had, didn't have to be subpoenaed, he's cooperating, there may not have been much there to do over the next couple of days well, vis-a-vis the investigation and his interview. Morgan, you had a good point because you were talking about, you know, these are not necessarily scheduled by the president. I don't know how long in advance this was scheduled. He wants to look like he's cooperating. Right. The last thing he wants is any accusation, yeah. especially when we see classified information and any of those like intelligence documents are critical. He wants to look like he's cooperating. So punting that at this critical time could also draw ire. And I'm not sure that it is ultimately his responsibility that he didn't move it yeah. because I don't know if he had the wiggle room. What's and he was still monitoring the, the war with his team. They, yeah. still do, they didn't do parse the war off really simple. 
Okay, look at the real clear politics average. Joe Biden is losing in the polls. You look at the Marquette poll, he's minus five in foreign relations. He's getting crushed on every single he, major issue right he's now. He's not looking at polls. That is going to define Forward. the 2024 election. This is a big, remember, this is a big issue. Because remember who else has a documents case against them as well. And I'm going to tell you eventually nothing's going to happen to Biden. This is going to be handled just like Hillary Clinton. This narrative has been building. This is not the first time. We heard Blinken was interviewed, what, a week ago, a month, you know, two weeks ago. It's not like this is story. Has not been percolating. And this is something, again, that because Biden has documents, it is one of those deals Republicans will say, guess what? It's not the equal application. Well, I, I want to get, get more in it. I'm going to have a turn to speak. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you, boys. Um, I, what's interesting to me about this case, um, and I'm not a lawyer, so I'd like to hear Scott's take uh, you know, on this, but what's interesting to me about this case is that some of these documents go back to when he was in the Senate. Now, we know in a presidential case that there's lots of, there's the Presidential Records Act, and there's all these like disputes over uh, does the president have the authority to keep these records, which is reserved for presidents only. What I think is uniquely different about this case is it comes whenever uh, Biden was vice president and when he was in the Senate. So that's the missing part of the case to me as somebody who has handled a lot of classified information <laughs> in my career. Uh, how, did, how did you, how did a senator... How was he able to take classified information out of a skiff? Because they're not allowed to keep classified information skiff in the office. Skiff is the secure area. Thank you. Yes. Yeah. So, so Senate offices are not skiffs, right? So you can't keep any classified information in there. So I just don't even know how it got out of a skiff right. uh, when he reviewed well, it. All right. That's why there's there's the vulnerabilities. Yeah. There's vulnerabilities. You but, remember the you know military member who posted them on all online. This is a problem. Scary. We need to shore up our classified information. All right. Let's bring in Elizabeth Vargas, uh, host, of course, of Elizabeth Vargas Report. I don't know, Elizabeth, like I saw this and I, you know, I, what about the question of is this the best use of his time with everything that's going on right now? I think he was in a no-win position, actually. Yeah. Um, yeah. I think yeah. maybe uh, the special prosecutor might have said, hey, there's a lot going on in the world. Uh, do you want to postpone this a couple days? Uh, that request maybe should have come from the special prosecutor. But listen, I'm, I'm sure he can do you know several things at once. And I do agree with uh, the point you guys have been making, that if he delayed it, it would be giving ammunition to critics that he was somehow uh, not fully and 100% cooperating, which is what he's been saying all along he will do. So, um, yeah. All right. That's all well, I got. You're, uh, <laughs> all right. That's, no, it's, it's, a, it's an interesting, I saw it, and, I, and I, you, know, you think about both sides of it, and you're right, maybe it is just a, a no-win. What do you have coming up tonight in uh, 10 minutes? Obviously, we're covering all the very latest. Uh, we're speaking yeah. to a, a grandmother who's got two grandchildren who uh, were missing. She's got a very interesting take. Her, she is the daughter of Holocaust survivors, and now she's calling this what's happened uh, worse. She says the, she thinks Hamas terrorists are, quote, worse than the Nazis. So we're going to talk with her as well as several leading experts on hostage rescue and urban combat. As we know that Israel is amassing troops on the border of Gaza, readying for a possible ground invasion. Uh, and it may be surprising. We've talked to several Israelis. Uh, we're going to talk to several more on the show tonight who are in favor of that ground invasion, even those who have missing family members who are being held hostage inside Gaza. So uh, obviously a very, very big day today since we've yeah. got the death count of Americans killed over there has mm -hmm. gone up, as well as a confirmation from the president that Americans are being held hostage. Yeah, and still 20 missing or unaccounted for Americans at this time. And the number changing, Elizabeth. Jake Sullivan, number changing, they said hour by hour. So Yeah, yep, yeah, absolutely. All right, Elizabeth, we'll see you in about 10 minutes. Okay. Thank you.
All right. And remember, you can watch Elizabeth Vargas reports six o'clock Eastern right here on News Nation. Well, President Biden today reaffirmed the United States support for Israel. But some members of his own party are divided on the war and the U.S.'s role. For example, here's a headline from Politico. Will Democrats keep standing with Israel? Johanna, you're, you're shaking yeah, your head. I, I, I do. I think that some members of the both parties say crazy things. And we have had some members of our party call to defund Israel. Now, that is a problem. But I would say when we're talking about sympathies with the Palestinian people, I went to Ramallah with President Obama. I remember meeting with kids who were in an intel lab and they wanted to be the next Mark Zuckerberg. They had dreams that were outside of those fences and the terrible regime and terrorists that can run these kinds of places, including Hamas. And so I think it is important to remember, and we've talked about it a lot, we can have sympathy for the people who are in these parts of the world where they have very limited rights and and say that Israel has every right to defend So part of, part of the reason that's driving that headline, Congresswoman uh, Cori Bush, quote, as part of achieving a just and lasting peace, she's a Democrat, we must do our part to stop this violence and trauma by ending U.S. government support for Israeli military occupation and apartheid. There's Rashida Tlaib outside of her office. She is Palestinian. Uh, but some video from outside of her office from today in which there's a, a flag, the Palestinian flag, and then the flag celebrating LGBTQ rights. As we know, Morgan, those are non-existent yeah. in Gaza, and she's sort oh, of being But they are existent in Israel, the country she hates. Um, listen, I'm, I'm have plenty of foreign policy disagreements with the Biden administration, but I did appreciate uh, the White House press secretary condemning her own party today. Um, I, I do think the uh, you know the anti-Semitic statements uh, that come from these um, three people shouldn't be tolerated by anybody, and I appreciate that they are not tolerated by uh, this White House. Saying that, the real test of what whether uh, the Democrats in this administration uh, will come by Israel, uh, stand by Israel, is not right now. It'll be in the weeks and the months because it will take just as it took a long time for us to make sure that Al Qaeda was never a threat to the United States after 9/11. It will probably take months for uh, Israel to ensure that Hamas is no longer a threat to the Israeli people. Um, and so we will see over the months, over the weeks and months, will Israel get the same treatment from this administration that Ukraine gets? All right. Well. There is nothing more, I think, politically that Johanna likes than California <laughs> politics, right? And we brought this story to Johanna, and she was like, what? We're going to talk about it after the break. A star athlete running for the Senate in California. He's a former Major League Baseball player, former MVP, and he wants to be the next senator from Johanna's home state. We'll tell you who. Coming up. The state I'm in now. <laughs> Israel at war. I'm News Nation national correspondent Robert Sherman on the ground and bringing you the very latest from the front lines in Israel. And this is the most serious and severe war I've experienced. For continuing coverage of Israel at war, stay tuned to News Nation. All right, so before we go, there's obviously a ton of news happening today. A couple stories that, that also caught our attention. The former Los Angeles Dodgers star Steve Garvey announced his Senate campaign today. Now, Garvey will be the second Republican in a very crowded field to replace the late Senator Dianne Feinstein. Johanna, I was joking, this is your home state. Does he have a shot? Well, California is my adopted home state. Okay. I was raised in Galesburg, <laughs> Illinois. But look, it's nepotism and it's so expensive in California. If he's ready for an incredibly expensive race, 
He can probably get in because we have a jungle primary. Everybody competes. He can probably get into the last two. The likelihood of California going with someone who's anti-choice is slim to none. All right. And tonight, by the way, the Baltimore Orioles' Dean